welcome to the Vineyard K-Pod. We hope you are blessed and inspired by what we have in store for you. privilege to be able to share the Word of God again with all of you and we had a wonderful series so far learning about the people of God in the Old Testament and the way God makes a covenant with them and today we would like to continue in our series and we will look at one of the important concepts and uh, revelations of the Old Testament the atonement and the sacrificial system in the Old Testament and how it looks forward to Jesus Christ. So the topic for today's message is the Day of Atonement and we'll be looking especially at the book of Leviticus and in the New Testament the book of Hebrews chapter 9. The Day of Atonement was the most important day of the year for the Jews in the Old Testament. It was celebrated every year uh, on the 10th day after New Year and it was a day when God graciously atoned for all the sins of Israel, for the entire nation, and granted them a new beginning. This year, the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, as it is called in Hebrew, was celebrated by Jewish people all around the world on the 28th of September, which was only last Monday. Today, I would like to talk about uh, two things in relation to the Day of Atonement and atonement in general. I will talk about the purpose of the Day of Atonement and um, I will talk about the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. So first of all, the purpose of the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement and other Old Testament sacrifices were provided in the Old Testament by God as an answer to the question of how can a holy God who cannot tolerate sin, how can he dwell in the presence or in the midst of his people who are sinful? Exodus ends in a, a wonderful way. It ends with the following verse. It says, The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud, so the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. The book ends with the promise that God made, if you remember in Exodus 19, that he would come and dwell with his people. And despite of Israel falling short of keeping their covenant agreement and worshipping the golden calf, God renews his covenant with Israel. And we see here at the end of Exodus that the tabernacle is built and God's presence descends and dwells in the midst of his people as God promised. In a way, it was the fulfillment of the desires that God had from the very beginning when Adam and Eve were um, ushered out of the Garden of Eden and were not able to enjoy God's presence anymore. Here, once again, God is dwelling with his people. Garden Eden, if you like, was brought back to earth again. But how how was that possible? How is it possible for God to dwell with Israel when Israel is sinful? And to answer that question, uh, we have the following book, the book of Leviticus. 
And in Leviticus, we have the description of the different sacrifices that the Israelites uh, had to make, um, or the priests and the high priest on their behalf, so that the presence of God could dwell with his people. Now, interestingly, for us, many times we look at the book of Leviticus and we find it quite uh, boring, maybe not very inspiring. Uh, but for, for Jews, for many uh, hundreds of years already, the book of Leviticus would have been the first book that children learned to read in the synagogue. Because within the Jewish faith, there is the recognition that this book is really central to, to the faith. And without the gracious provisions of uh, sacrifices and the Day of Atonement, the relationship and covenant with God would not be possible. At the heart of the book of Leviticus, then, we have chapter 16. And chapter 16 talks about the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. There are three major things that happen during the Day of Atonement. Three things. And if you read through the chapter, uh, chapter 16 and also chapter 17, you will see that there are many things that um, went into preparing for the Day of Atonement. But I would like to highlight three important things uh, that, that happened. Uh, the first important um, element of the Day of Atonement is described to us in Leviticus chapter 16, verse 15. It says that Aaron must slaughter the first goat as sin offering for the people and carry its blood behind the inner curtain. There he will sprinkle the goat's blood over the atonement cover. The first element of the Day of Atonement was the special offerings um, that were made on the day that were brought, or the blood of the special offering was brought into the Holy of Holies. Remember, during regular offerings, the priest would sacrifice animals and the blood was used in the courtyard and the holy place. But the Holy of Holies, the place where the tabernacle was, um, where the presence of God uh, was dwelling, that is a place that was off-limit for, for everyone. And there's a story of um, the, the sons of Aaron not acknowledging that and recognizing that and uh, then being punished um, and uh, dying because of, of just pressing into the tabernacle and not recognizing that this is a holy place. Now, the, the Holy of Holies was the place where no priest would enter. Only the high priest could enter it, and only once a year would he go into the Holy of Holies. And it was on the Day of Atonement, on Yom Kippur. And he would bring some of the, the blood of the goat that he offered, of the, one of the goats that he offered, and he would sprinkle it on the atonement cover, uh, which was the top or the lid of the, the Ark of Covenant that was inside the Holy of Holies. Now this was a very dangerous operation because it was the very place where the presence of God dwelt. And, um, Part of the regulations were that he had to burn incense, so incense. So there was a cloud, a smoke that uh, would shield the priest in a way and not really allow him to see clearly the, the visible manifestation of the presence of God within the Holy of Holies. But it was dangerous because that was where the presence of God dwelt. And if the high priest was not clean himself, um, it was very dangerous for him to enter that place. And this is why the preparations for the high priest really lasted for about a week. It was a time when he was secluded from the rest of the community and he ate special food and he kept on taking baths just to clean himself and to prepare himself 
for this very important day, for this most important day of the year. The second major element of the Day of Atonement was the scapegoat ceremony. So there are two goats that were used. Uh, the first goat was sacrificed, um, as we saw in the first element. The second goat was a special goat. It is uh, oftentimes translated with scapegoat. The Hebrew word for it is Azazel, um, which is the goat that was driven out, literally translated. Uh, but many uh, translations render it as the scapegoat. The high priest would lay, and this is uh, verse 21 here, the high priest will lay both of his hands on the goat's head and confess over it all the wickedness, rebellion, and sins of the people of Israel. So on the second goat, the second goat was not killed, but the high priest would lay his hands over the goat and confess all of the sins. And the words used here for sins um, are, are really used in a way that it covers all different types of sins. So it is the wickedness and the rebellion and the sins of the people. It covers the entire spectrum of human sinning from, from blunders to premeditated wrongs that we can do, that people could do. Laden with all the people's sins, the scapegoat then was taken and driven out into the wilderness, never to return, to die in the wilderness. And that symbolized the scapegoat carrying away. The continuation of verse 21 says that in this way he will transfer the people's sins of the, to the head of the goat and the goat would, be, uh, would take away the sins from the community. And symbolically that would mean that the sins of the people were carried away and they were somehow covered up and God would not consider them anymore. Later on when the people didn't wander anymore in the wilderness the scapegoat sometimes would be taken to a cliff and pushed over the cliff to make sure that uh, he really dies and doesn't return to, uh, to the camp, which wouldn't be very, uh, very good, of course. Um, so first, special offerings made uh, within the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. And secondly, uh, the scapegoat ceremony where uh, this special goat would carry the sins of the people, all of the sins of the people, um, away from the camp. The final element of the Day of Atonement uh, was a very strict fast that lasted for 24 hours. It will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you and you must deny yourselves. Now, um, oftentimes uh, the Day of Atonement wouldn't fall on a, on a Sabbath, on a Saturday. So whatever day it falls on, this year it was a Monday, I think, that day for 24 hours people would not be allowed to eat or drink anything. It was a very strict fast and it was really to help people prepare um, themselves for, for, this, for this special day. And um, the, the way it is put in verse 31 is that it will be a Sabbath day of complete rest for you. You must deny yourself. So it was a, a way of denying yourself food and water, a way of humbling yourself and uh, showing that you, you are sorry for the sins that you committed and uh, the sins that God was about to, to forgive you of. So these are the three main elements. And again, if you read through Leviticus chapter 16 and 17, you will see that there are a lot of details given to us. And uh, the entire book of Leviticus that talks about um, other sacrifices as well seems uh, quite you know, boring and tedious to, to us um, when, when we read through it. Um, and it, it would be easy for us to really miss the main point of this book, of the book of Leviticus, um, and just get 
uh, stuck with the repetitions and the rituals that don't really make so much sense maybe to us today. But the main point that you can see when you look beyond the, the rituals and the details given for sacrifices is really that God was at work. God was making a way for his people to remain in relationship with him. God was working out a means for his people to, to know him despite of their sinfulness, for them to somehow be able to draw near to God. Um, and, and that is an important thought for us to have whenever we read through the, the rituals of the Old Testament and uh, we maybe even wonder sometimes why is that even in the Bible. It just shows us uh, the lengths to which God would go to try and make a way for his people to draw near to him. But of course questions remained and the questions that we could ask is to what extent can the death of an animal really atone for the sins of a human being who is created in the image of God. And when the Old Testament talks about forgiveness, is it just the forgiveness of the guilt? Um, is, is it the, the forgiveness of the punishment, as in God is not going to punish you anymore? Or is it really the forgiveness of, of the guilt and the cleansing of our hearts and of our conscience? Does that imply that we become a, a better person because God has forgiven us? Or are we bound to commit the same mistakes over and over again. And this is where the book of Hebrews uh, really starts and it helps us understand how through the life, the work and the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, God was able to provide a far greater way for us to draw near to him. That is what the book of Hebrews is really all about and there are many different ways in which Jesus Christ provides a better way and today we will only look at um, three, three things here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 9 and what the book says and argues as a whole is that the Old Testament sacrificial system was only a shadow of the greater reality that was to come in Jesus Christ. So the sacrifices and the Day of Atonement were only shadows of the actual reality. And the actual reality was Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And this is why, of course, the reality is better than, than the shadow. The reality um, is able to bring life and true hope and transformation. So three things that uh, the, the book of Hebrews in chapter 9 um, gives us to show that the atonement of Jesus Christ is better. And when we say that the atonement of Jesus is better, what I don't mean is that in any way the Old Testament system of sacrifices uh, was wrong. It wasn't wrong because it was given by God. But it is the, the, the New Testament or the New Covenant in Jesus, through Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus is a better atoning work because it is permanent. The first system was temporary. Um, Jesus' atoning work on the cross, his death on the cross, is better and superior because it is not temporary, but it is permanent. Um, it is the last word of God in regards to our sin and dealing with our sin. And Hebrews chapter 9, 11 to 15, the passage for um, our topic today, says, or it shows three ways in which Jesus provides a better atonement. And it's in terms of the tabernacle that he entered, in terms of the blood he presented, and also in terms of the depth of cleansing. So the atonement of Jesus Christ, 
better because of the tabernacle he entered, the blood that he presented, and the depths of the cleansing. Allow me to read Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 to 15. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our, re our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from cer ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. That is how the writer of Hebrews summarizes what Jesus Christ achieves for us on the cross. And the first point here is that the sacrifice of Jesus is better in terms of the tabernacle that Jesus entered. Jesus not only presented himself as a sacrifice, but he also acted as the high priest. And as the high priest, he entered, Hebrews says, not the earthly tabernacle, but he entered the heavenly tabernacle. He entered into the very presence of God in heaven. What Hebrews implies here is that the earthly tabernacle, for all of its beauty in terms of architecture, and the temple later on in particular was a, a beautiful uh, structure, and with the vis visual manifestation of the presence of God being there, it was still not the real thing, the real tabernacle, the real presence of God is in heaven. And what Hebrews says is that Jesus entered that greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven that is not constructed by human hands and is not part of this created world. So his work is superior as high priest because he entered heaven to make intercession for us in the very presence of God. The high priest would enter the earthly tabernacle only once a year for a very short time. Jesus Christ entered the heavenly tabernacle and he entered and he sat down at the right hand side of the Father. This is what we read in Hebrews chapter 8. He sat down at the right hand side of the Father and he continues to make intercession for us. I'm sure that the Jewish people were uh, very grateful for, for having a high priest who could make intercession for their sins once a year, even though it was only once a year. And in, in, in fact, uh, you know, that would have been already such a great blessing to know that God uh, graciously would forgive your sins. But imagine what Hebrew says here, Jesus entered the very presence of God and he continues to make intercession for us even now. If sometimes we ask the question, where is Jesus now? Well, Hebrews answers, he is in heaven. He is sat at the right hand side of the Father making intercession for you and I. That is why the sacrifice and the ministry of Jesus is superior. Secondly, it is better in that Jesus presented before God his own blood. Jesus did not 
enter heaven with the blood of, of goats and bulls, but he enters heaven presenting his very own blood to the Father. Now, in the Old Testament system of, of atonement and sacrifice, the way sacrifice worked or the reason sacrifice worked was really for, for three elements. The first element was that humans had to offer something which represented them. This is why David would say at one point that he will not offer anything to God that doesn't really come from him, that doesn't cost him anything, that doesn't belong to him. Because he, underst he understood the principle of offering. It had to be something that represents something that, uh, that belonged to you. Something valuable and poor, pure. Um, as a sign of their uh, grateful offering, really, of their whole lives to God. Uh, to God and in his service. So the first thing was you had to offer something which represented you. Secondly, there had to be an outpouring of life. The punishment of, of sin was death. And there had to be an outpouring of life signifying that that sin was dealt with. So some, somebody or so, some animal had to die in your stead for forgiveness to be effective in, in, in some way. And lastly, because of the first two elements, somehow the worshipper was cleansed of uh, their sin in the sense that he was not punished anymore for the sin that he committed. Now if this was the system of atonement in the Old Testament, that it had to represent you, um, it had to uh, include the shedding of blood, the pouring out of life, and because of the two elements somehow it cleanses you. You can already understand why the death of Jesus Christ would be far superior. And this is what Hebrews 9.12 says, With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. The atonement of Jesus Christ on the cross is better because Jesus died as a representative of all human beings. Jesus Christ died as the Son of God who became flesh and he died on behalf of all human beings. He was able to represent us better than any animal could ever do. Jesus died in our place. He died in our place. He, he took our death. He took the punishment of our sins. He took the guilt of our sins and he died in our place. And lastly, because it was his own blood that Jesus Christ shed, and because as a human being he was representing all of humanity, he was able to effect a cleansing that is much deeper than the cleansings that worshippers would experience in the Old Testament. Because of shedding his own blood, the cleansing Jesus provides for us, the purification that Jesus provides for us is superior. Verse 14 says, just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. Think how much deeper the cleansing of the blood of Jesus is. And this brings us to our third point here. It is better in that it reaches to the depths of our personality. The death of Jesus Christ is better because it reaches really to the depths of our personality. The better atonement of Christ on the cross does not take away only outward impurities, but it achieves the deep cleansing, the taking away of sin and healing of our consciences. 
Hebrews chapter 10 verse 2 says, If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and the feelings of guilt would have disappeared. So Hebrews says, the writer of Hebrews says that if uh, the, the, blood, the blood of goats and uh, calves and bulls would have been really effective in cleansing worshippers, then they would not have to be repeated every year. They would have not be repeated, some of the sacrifices, even on a weekly basis. Now imagine if you take your car to a garage to get it fixed, and the mechanic tells you, I fixed it, but you have to come back next week for me to fix it again. And it happens every week, you have to bring back the car for him to fix it. But it's safe to say that he doesn't know how to fix the car, right? Because he would fix it one time and then it would work. You wouldn't have to come back every week. And this is what Hebrews says here about the sacrifice of Jesus. Uh, it is superior because it is done once and for all. It is done not to be repeated again. It is done and it is effective for all people for all time. It is a better atonement because indeed it is able to deal, to deal with the, the, the depth um, of the wickedness that is found in human beings. It is able to cleanse us deep within us. And that is an important uh, topic in, in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews talks a lot about um, the inner part of our being, and it calls it our conscience. Um, and it talks repeatedly about it in chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 13 um, again. And what Hebrews says is that the sacrifices of the Old Testament were not able to take care of our inner impurities, of um, the, the sin that lies deep within us. They were only able to deal with our outward impurities maybe some uh, ceremonial uncleanness. Um, and they could only really tell us that uh, we are forgiven and God would not punish us and you are still part of the people of God. But it wasn't really able to deal with the guilt that, was, that would still lie heavy um, on, on, on your heart. They could never achieve a deep cleansing, the taking away of sins, the healing of our memories and of our consciences. They only, in a way, covered up sin, but they were not able to take away that sin. And ultimately, that is the problem that keeps a person from intimacy with God. Remember how we started off saying that the sacrificial system and the Day of Atonement were provided by God as a means for people to continue to fellowship with God, for God to dwell in the midst of His people. Now Hebrew says, that through Jesus Christ, God has provided a much better way for us to draw near to God, for us to live in intimacy with God. And the reason why, the core of the argument here is that the death of Jesus on the cross is able to deal with our guilty consciences. And it's our guilty consciences that keeps us away from God. All of us have a past. All of us have secrets that we would not want to be broadcast to our family and friends. It might be a lie, it might be a sexual sin, it might be a time we cheated in school or maybe at work. It might be a time when we were really mean to a person. Things that we did, things maybe pertaining to our attitude that we are ashamed of. And our enemy, the accuser, he is very good at reminding us of our past, bringing those sins back to our memory and our consciences 
pricking our hearts and throwing those arrows that are dripping with guilt. And we all, we, we all struggle with that. And we know that when it happens, that is what keeps us away from God. And perhaps even today, there might be things that lay heavy on our heart. Maybe things that are haunting us, things that we have said or done before. And we are afraid of being found out. Is this not wonderful? Is it not wonderful for us to know that the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross is able to wash us clean of whatever guilt we had pressing down on our consciences, that it is able to remove the stain and the guilt and the shame of sin from our consciences. We can come to God without any guilt and shadow falling across our relationship with Him. That is what Jesus Christ is able to achieve for us. Yes, we all still commit sin, and when we sin, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, and He convicts us to to repent um, and to ask God to forgive us. But once we have repented um, of our sin, whatever sin we commit, we remember that it is a sin that Jesus Christ died for because of the grace of God. Jesus died for our sin and because he died for our sin, it will not cut us off from God. We will continue to be able to live in relationship with God. Jesus took our sins upon himself. There is a beautiful quote from Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, sin has but two places where it may be. Either it may be with you so that it lies upon your neck or upon Christ, the Lamb of God. If now it lies upon your neck, you are lost. If however it lies upon Christ, you are free and will be saved. Take now whichever you prefer. There are only two places sin can be, Martin Luther said. It is either with us, pressing down on our consciences, or it is with Jesus Christ. And if we have put our faith in Jesus, and if we have received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, then our sin is no longer with us. It is with Jesus Christ now. The high priest in the Old Testament, for all their preparation, uh, for, for all their desire to be able to minister well to the people of God, they were not able to really deal with the actual effects of sin, to the deep effects of sin in, in, the, in the consciousness and conscience of a person. It is only Jesus Christ who was able to do that. There is a, uh, a shocking almost uh, prophecy in the book of Zechariah chapter 3, where the prophet sees the high priest of his time, uh, who is called uh, Joshua. He sees him entering the Holy of Holies entering to intercede for the people. But in the vision that Zechariah has, uh, Joshua, Yeshua in Hebrew, um, his garments that are supposed to be white um, are dirtied with ex excrement, excrements. And the prophecy is shocking because people, of course, would have known that um, this was impossible. Uh, th there was such a... Uh, a length, lengthy preparation that was done to make sure that the high priest was able to appear before the presence of God in, in clothes that were uh, spotless. And yet Zechariah, in his vision, sees that somehow 
um, for all the preparation and sacrifices the high priest was making, even he himself was not pure before God. And then Zechariah goes on to say that God will raise another high priest. And interestingly, of course, the name that that high priest that our Messiah has is also Yeshua, another Yeshua, another high priest who would be able to really minister and intercede on behalf of the people of God in a way that would, would be effective, in a way that would bring real forgiveness to us. And so the encouragement for us today is, let us place our trust in Jesus Christ. Your sin, whatever it may be, was placed upon the head of Jesus. Just like the high priest would lay his hands upon the head of uh, the Azazel, the scapegoat, uh, symbolizing that the sins of the people were placed upon the head of that goat. The sins, our sins, were placed upon the head of Jesus Christ. Our sins, whatever they may be, were consumed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let us not allow the accuser to keep us from fellowship and intimacy with God. God has provided for us a better way. He has provided for us a high priest who was able to enter into the, the holy place in heaven, into the presence of God, and who was able to enter with his own blood, who was able to enter and who now sits at the right-hand side of the Father, making intercession for you and I, so that we can freely and confidently draw near to God and worship him and serve him joyfully. Let us close our service now with prayer. Father, we thank you that from the very beginning you have worked to make a way for your people to draw near to you. We see that in the way you have given your law and we see that also in the provision of sacrifices in the Day of Atonement. And Father, we can see it especially in the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus Christ, for us on the cross. And Father, the cost of that sacrifice reminds us of just how much you want us to know you, to experience your love, and to live in relationship with you. So Father, we thank you for the way that you have made for us through Jesus Christ. And we pray that even this coming week, we will make time to think about how much you love us, to reflect on your word, or to draw near to you, Lord, through prayer and reading of scripture. Father, we pray that this week you help us to serve you joyfully, we have seen from the beginning of our series how you want us, Lord, not only to know you and to worship you, but really to live and to work in partnership with you. So we pray, Lord, that you fill us with your spirit and that you help us to live lives that produce fruit for your glory. We thank you, Father, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. May the Lord bless us all. Amen. Thanks for tuning in with us, folks. If you'd like to know more about anything you've just heard in this session or want to connect with our community, please find us on Facebook by searching Word International Ministries UK or even visit our website on www.wordinternationalministries.org.uk. We're so blessed to have you here, and we can't wait to welcome you in the next one. See you then.